thank you very much for joining me again today. Uh, welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees. I'm sorry my last episode uh, got cut off. Uh, there was a technical glitch and so it got cut off. So I'm just continuing what I started. Um, really we were on the Islamic uh, occupation and colonization of North Africa um, and the Iberian Peninsula. I'm just going to continue uh, quickly because um, I had a small technical issue with my um, with my computer, and I do apologize for that. Um, so we're just going to go to the uh, Iberian Peninsula. We know how Islam invaded the peninsula, um, and we're just going to go quickly to say that Islam says it brought tolerance to the Iberian Peninsula. It's absolute falsehood, complete falsehood. Uh, they came by war and they left by war. Understand what we are cycling. So we'll go out the same way we come in. If we came into war, we'll go out to war. If they left for war and, uh, and um, yeah, if they left to war, they're also going to go out the same way. They also came in the same way. So saying that they came, there was tolerance and there was a beautiful civilization, Civilization already existed, and tolerance already existed on the on the subcontinent of of Iberia. Uh, to say that someone bought it, you can't bring tolerance. Uh, no, uh, no, uh, Abrahamic civilization has ever bought tolerance anywhere, anywhere. So, everywhere you go, you see is uh, Abrahamic civilizations in war, three thousand years of history. So there's no way he bought any uh, any tolerance. But I'm going to tell you something that in 7-Eleven uh, I spoke briefly. The work on Kista started again, which means the uh, the Christians or the Franks started, um, sorry, uh, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. They conquer, they, should I say, they tried to conquer back the, uh, the uh, Iberian Peninsula. Um, and so... It was called the Reconquista. Uh, they, they were successful and that's why there's no Islam. Islam doesn't control the Iberian Peninsula anymore. But I will just give you a brief way of how um, Islam conquered the Iberian Peninsula in date. So when they say we brought tolerance to the uh, civilization of the Iberian Peninsula, the answer is complete. No, they didn't. They conquered it and there was invasions and there was war and there was fighting. Um, and it continued till they left. So the Islamic invasion started in 711. They never conquered all of Arabia. A small kingdom of Asturias was left out in the north. The Reconquista started in 718 AD. By 750 AD, the king of Asturias held on to one fourth territory consisting of a northwestern strip of Iberia. A small medieval Basque kingdom called Navarre in North northern Spain, southern Pyrenees, pushed the Islamic Emirate back in 824 AD with the help of a rival Arab tribe called Banu Qasim. By 990 AD, the Kingdom of Navarre expanded its realm to all of northern Iberia. By 1025, all of the Iberian Peninsula had lost all of its Islamic uh, invaders except a small Emirate 
By 1040, a Berber kingdom called Almoravids, based out of Morocco, invaded the Iberian Peninsula, occupying approximately half of Iberia from the south upwards. By 1147, they had collapsed and were taken over by another Berber dynasty called the Almohads. The Almohads were then over overtook the southern Spain, about one third of the of the entire peninsula, uh, by 11. 72, but by 1269 the Almohads had lost control of the peninsula. Only a small emirate of Granada was left uh, from 1280 onwards. It was con constantly attacked, gradually reduced in size. By 1492 all of Islam was chased away from the Iberian Peninsula. So 800 years of peace and tolerance is utter nonsense. They existed non-stop conflicts, violence, turbulence, Hence, their emirates and tribal kingdoms and clans collapsed from inside. What one needs to understand is that the human species is, as I've mentioned, a metaphysical electromagnetic field. When this electromagnetic field changes, the entire region changes. Our metaphysics does not depend on political borders or geopolitical kingdoms and associations. It either goes out of sync completely or not. The entire European sheet was on a downward spiral, which would have affected the entire continent, including Eurasia, Asia for that matter. Tolerance and Islamic peace only existed in their books to convince people to form an alliance with them to gain a foothold and lead an eventual colonization of the region. There was none in reality. Uh, so basically that was the uh, Islamic invasion of Iberia and North Africa, as you see, they, there was no tolerance. There was no tolerance, there was war, which is typical of empires, nothing great, uh, nothing different. It's the same currents, same waves. The labels might change, but the mentality is the same. But, you know, every empire likes to glorify its own self to the detriment of its uh, predecessors or successors, and that's why uh, they never learn from history. But I hope you learn from history that uh, the Islamic empires did not bring tolerance to the Middle East, nor did they bring tolerance to uh, the Iberian Peninsula. Look, the North Africans, the North Africans are nice people by themselves. They're Berber by origin, uh, nomadic people by origin, and they're all about space. They've got a lot of space. They're about uh, being nice to each each other the same desert tradition still lives in them and they are very very nice people it has nothing to do with the label so they've always been nice they've always been very gentle always be wel welcoming uh, they talk in soft voices North Africans do not talk in loud voices just remember that we Asians talk in loud voices Arabs talk in loud voices but not North Africa they do not talk in loud voices they're very soft and very quiet and nomadic people. They don't like to, to raise their voice. And uh, so it's, it's very important to understand that their, their dignity, their humanity depend, is a tradition that goes way beyond these empires. And each empire is trying to take credit for them, um, for this mentality, but it, it has nothing to do with the label. So we'll just go briefly to something. Um, Islam likes to call the age from 711 to 1492 the golden age of Islam, okay? 
it's definitely not golden uh, as days were the one who stole the gold from the civilizations that existed uh, but the civilizations who got robbed uh, by their theft did not particularly like it and I'm sure of that. Islam pretends to have invented almost everything we take for granted in this world. They say that the empires were nurseries of science and art hence they require us to submit to their supremacy as their persecutors of who we are today. If you, were if you challenge them, they say, white trash alert. So check out the list. So let's check out their list of their fantasies. The first university in the world is Fez, Morocco, commenced by Muslims. Uh, it's a falsehood. It started as a religious madrasa in 1859 AD, better known as a mosque school, teaching Quranic studies, Arabic studies, religious and rhetoric. It later grew in size and was converted to a university only in 1963 by royal decree, thus becoming the university it has become today. Uh, a madrasa is the Arabic word for Hebrew concept of midrash, ancient commentary on Hebrew scriptures. The madrasa was actually an ancient Hebrew center of learning called yeshiva. Okay, uh, ancient Baghdad was a center of learning itself during the Persian Empire. When it was taken over by the Abbasid Empire and the yeshivas were one studied Hebrew commentary, the yeshivas where one studied Hebrew commentary became midrashas. However, education was not new to the region of North Africa. They were Berber tribes who were part of the Roman Empire who already were educated. Uh, the empire had major centers of high education institutions during their reign. The Berbers were not ignorant people. One example was St. Augustine of the Roman Church, uh, Christian Church, thought of being a Berber to his mother. He was sent to school uh, uh, at um, Mother Rouse, now Madrush. At age 17, Augustine went to Carthage to continue his education in rhetoric. Uh, thus, we see the educational institutions existed even before Christianity or North African continent. They therefore existed on the European continent. Um, if the Roman and Cartesian empires were able to produce monuments and build massive temples and fortresses that remain even till today, they had to have some type of formal education. Uh, this is besides the fact that the University of Texila flourished between 600 BC and 580. Uh, the Kingdom of Gandahar, um, in, in the Kingdom of Gandahar in ancient India, but now in Pakistan. 68 subjects were taught, including Vedas, grammar, philosophy, astronomy, medicine, surgery, politics, archery, warfare, music, commerce, etc. Minimum age was 16 at that time. 10,500 students study there, including from China, Babylon, Syria, and Greece. The University of Nalanda existed in India around the same time and was burned down by Arab Islamic invaders. They, were also, they also invaded Persia and the Persian city of Setesfion. Arab Muslims destroyed Setesfion library and burned all the Persian books. Libraries always existed where there were centers of knowledge, not out of this besides the fact that they destroyed what was left of the library of uh, Egypt, Alexandria and Egypt. Their logic, the only book needed in Islam is the Quran, so they 
they burnt everything else. So the Christians burn one part and the Muslims burn the other. Clocks. Islam says it invented clocks. False. The inventions of clocks started with the water clocks in Babylon, in China, and the Indian subcontinent. The Greeks and the Romans transitioned this water clock to mechanical clocks with gears. The word oroglia uh, comes from the Greek word hour to tell, and um, it was used to describe early mechanical clocks. Ancient India had, in the 4th century CE, an astronomical treatise called the Surya Siddhant. Okay? The Muslims then took this knowledge and rebranded it as their own, as well as taking Hindu scholars as prisoners of war and slaves from the Indian subcontinent. Their knowledge, their science translated at the same time under a new label. Uh, the third is the camera. Islam likes to say it invented the camera. False. The camera is descended from the camera obscura, Latin for dark room. The oldest mention of this principle comes from China, Mozi, during the uh, 5th century BC, with whom the Arabs traded. Um, and Timaeus of Tralles, who designed the Hagia Sophia, used a type of camera obscura in his experiments in the 6th century. A Greco-Roman Claudius Ptolemy, known as a mathematician, astronomer, geographer, astrologer, and was a poet of single epigram in Greek anatology. His work on the optics in the second century AD was translated by the Arabs from where we get Ibn Sahal and Ibn Haytham, author of the book, influential book on optics. Uh, they continued to the evolution of camera with the help of the above knowledge and scholarly work uh, already in existence. Around the same time, the Chinese scientist Shen Ho experimented with the camera obscura. In no way, without this intellectual heritage passed down to them, would the Arabs have ever invented anything to do with optics. So, the fourth is the flying machine. Islam says Abbas ibn Firnas was the first human being to make a real attempt at flying false. During waiting time, I have to laugh at this one, the ancient Indian texts say that the planet had flying machines. On Indian subcontinent, we have we call them Vimana, meaning flying chariots in ancient Sanskrit. Um, the word has several other meanings too. Um, it was well documented fact, in Sanskrit, the Agni Hotra Vimana had two engines. Agni means fire in Sanskrit and Gaya Vimana means with more engines. Uh, the Garuda, the national bird of Indonesia, as well as Garuda Indonesia is the national airline of that country, uh, which gets its name from a time when Indonesia was Hindu land before its conversion to Islam. Garuda was flying was a flying bird of Shiva in the Hindu deity, also known as in a description of an earlier plane and spacecraft in Sanskrit texts. These texts were translated from previous Vedic Hindu civilization, which was rebranded as an Islamic civilization by the new rulers. They were taken over by Muslims who then were conveniently rebranded as Muslim inventions. Surgical uh, instruments and hospitals. Islam claims to have given the world the first medical encyclopedia. I keep a little bit drunk. Uh, invented uh, hospitals and invented surgical 
in instruments. Now we're double drum. Sorry, fellas. Uh, from here we do illit from when we get illiterate people in the seventh century getting to invent and write medical encyclopedias. It takes hundreds, if not thousands, of years to develop medical philosophies and knowledge on the Indian subcontinent, the Ayurveda, the ancient medicine of the Indian subcontinent and surrounding reason, uh, regions were taken by the same Arab invaders and translated into Arabic. They were already in use and taught in our universities for thousands of years before the Arabs invaded. If they were not already written down, the Arabs would have been wouldn't be able to translate them to Arabic. Indians were also taken as slaves who were told that they were, would be given free man status if they joined the Islamic empire and become Muslims. As Muslims, they were given land and titles, a higher feudal status if their knowledge got translated to Arabic. This was besides medicinal knowledge they received from China, Romans, the Greeks, the Berber, who would have had more knowledge than the unemployed feudal Arabs. Hospitals also existed prior to Islam. So in Greece, temples dedicated to the healer deity, As Aslepius, known as Aslepia, function as centers of medical advice. Around 100 BCE, the Romans constructed buildings called Valle Tudinaria for the care of the sick slaves, slaves, gladiators, and soldiers. The Indian subcontinent Ayurvedic hospitals were in existence from time of recorded history. On the subcontinent, ancient Indian medicine, known as Ayurveda, existed before 5000 BCE. In 437 BC, an Ayurvedic hospital existed even in modern-day Sri Lanka. Runes of the same can be still found on the island. Various um, kings of the region contributed to advancement of medicine and hospitals, from King Ashoka to his descendants. The Surya Samhita is an ancient Indian text on on ancient Indian medicine. The Compendium of Sushruta is another foundational text of the Ayurveda, alongside the Karaka Samhita, uh, the Bella Samhita, and the um, and the medical portions of the Bauer manuscript. On the earliest surgeons on the subcontinent, one of the earliest surgeons was um, Sushruta. Um, and he is said to have lived between 1200 BCE and 600 BCE. Uh, he is known for the founding father of surgery and surgical instruments on the Indian subcontinent, uh, which are attributed to him and his medical practices. Again, this knowledge could have come down from the Vedic age, but he, he is our earliest known user and practicer of, of medicine. Again, the, the, his knowledge was taken by the Arabs after the invasion of the Indian subcontinent, translated into Arabic, eradicating the source, and they were made as Arabic inventions. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. We will we'll come back tomorrow. Two short, um, two short episodes I've given you. I hope there's enough of knowledge for you to, to read, to, to take down notes, and to go from there. Um, sorry the, the podcast got cut into two. There's uh, some technical glitch. But uh, I hope you had a great time, and we will see you tomorrow. Don't forget to share, to like. Uh, don't forget to have the conversation with your friends, and you can go back on this and, and take down some notes and, and spread as much as possible and have the conversation as much as possible. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you had a great
right there.